Welcome to The Backdrop, Untold Stories in Golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club, Matt Considine. I'm here with our co-host of The New Club Backdrop, Kevin Moore, the professor. Top of the morning, professor. Uh, it's holiday season, just marching towards break, ready to get there, ready for these students to get out of Athens and, and give us the town for a couple weeks. Yeah, holidays in a college town. Does it like shut down? Do you guys get run of every restaurant? Do what happens? You're spot on. Like it's you walk in anywhere you want to be at any time of day, and the town is literally yours for a couple of weeks. And it's a, it's you know sleepy, but in the best way, where it's just everybody. You sit at the bar and just talk to the workers, and everybody gets to know everybody. So it's a, it's a special time. I love my visits to Athens. This is true. Like the professor is not just legendary in the game of golf, folks. He's a legend of Athens. I he has a couple like watering holes that it's just like it, you hear the Cheers theme music when you walk in. Um, the the one place in particular, a professor. Like I just feel like everybody from the kitchen to the bartender to to everyone sitting at every booth knows you. I, I I'm blocking on the name of it. Let's see. There's Hilo, maybe is uh, one place, um, or the Garage would be another place. Those are the two most frequented places. Blue Sky was another place. I'm trying to think where else. Where did you do brunch? We moved. Recently. What's your brunch spot? Oh, that's Hilo. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Hilo brunch spot. Like... Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah that's the, the one, one yeah. where we were there almost every Sunday and multiple times a week. And yeah, that's a special place. You come to Athens, go to Hilo. We uh, well, we got a short one today. You got any educational material for the audience? Yeah. What's your favorite fast food dessert? What you got? <laughs> my favorite fast food dessert. Oh my gosh. Um, do mozzarella sticks from Arby's count as a dessert? <laughs> that is not a dessert. I'm, I love mod sticks, but I'm not going to give you that as a dessert. You're not a big sweet tooth. Yeah, I, I don't. That, I don't order. I'll, I don't order a lot of desserts from fast food places. I mean, okay, if it's Chick Fil A, which uh, shout out of the great state of Georgia, I'm in a lot uh, thanks to New Club and in our chapter in Atlanta. Um, I always like to order a cookies and cream milkshake from oh, yeah. um, Chick Fil A. That's a good one, right? And and that that leads perfectly into milkshakes. I mean, I'm a milkshake guy. But anybody, anybody that's a big milkshake person has probably suffered the frustration of pulling into a McDonald's and having the ice cream machine be down. This is a regular occurrence, right? Like McFlurry, <laughs> ice is, cream. It's so funny. Well, yeah, this is a regular occurrence. Talk to anybody that likes McDonald's desserts. But there's actually a reason for this. Like this is a, it's an ongoing joke. Like their ice cream machine is actually down. Well, it's because there's a specific machine that they use. So I think the company's the Taylor Company. They supply most of the uh, ice cream machines to different fast food companies, but they sp- supply a specific machine to McDonald's. Um, it's actually got a number. It's like the C602 model. That has a very extensive cleaning process, a four-hour cleaning process that has to be done daily. Well, that cleaning process often fails. If it fails you have to redo the whole four-hour process. Now, when it fails, you don't know why it fails. It it just gives you an error code, generic error code. So, And then typically it fails again. So part of the reason is when they wake up and they get there in the morning, well, it failed. They got to do another cleaning. It fails again. So during the day, it's down. Here's where it snowballs. The only people that can clean it 
are from the Taylor company, their own technicians. So you have to schedule with them. They have to, depending where you're at, get someone out to see you, which could take days or weeks. Then you have to come out here and figure out what the whole problem is. When there's no, the error message doesn't tell you anything about it in terms of what's wrong. So then fixing it is a whole process itself. So there's actually a legitimate reason why the McDonald's machines are always down. So your frustration is valid. And it's not the workers at McDonald's that are doing it and being lazy. So don't take it out on them when uh-huh. their machine's down. It's literally this this Taylor company. And I think they like 25% of their revenue comes from like repairs on their books. And most of that is with McDonald's. So there's always the underlying rumor. Maybe this company's like, they want their machines to fail because then they get the fixing. Um, they get the fixing revenue from that. The professor, the muckracker. I feel like you missed a career in investigative journalism to figure out why certain things are the way they are, and then go get them, professor Taylor. We're coming for you. Okay, we're making sure that you don't shut down our our machines. We we need our McFrosties. You mess with my desserts, I'm unhappy. Just every <laughs> people that know me know that's a that's a factual statement. There's no jest in there that I say that. You start messing with my sweets and. We're gonna get cranky. The oh, man, it's it, yeah, it's it's he will he'll come get you for sure. And the way that you you controlled, I like how you've like taken your sweet tooth and used it for a source of good. <laughs> you know, like you could have easily gone off the rails, but now you like treat yourself and motivate yourself with these, and and also hold hold them hold them to the fire, hold them to accountability. That's God right. bless you, professor. So today we have a shot clock, which we. We've never had, but we need desperately on this show. Mark, Mark, many years ago, thought 45-minute podcasts would be perfect. I don't think we've ever achieved that. But uh, we got a lot of things to say and talk about, the professor and I. uh, Today, we're we're wrapping up on our fixture series, and we're talking about our last two fixtures of 2024. Or I should correct myself, the last fixture of 2024 is going to be our Fall Founders Cup, pitting our team of national members and Atlanta members against our Chicago members. Um, we also got to include Ohio members because we got a big news breaking in 2024 around Ohio. But anyways, uh, that is always looked forward to. That is headed to the golf courses of Mike Strantz in South Carolina. And we'll talk about that on this episode. And then our 2025 fixture, which releases registration for it, releases a year in advance because it's our biannual international. And it's headed to England and the Southeast Coast and Surrey right out of London. I'm so pumped for that one. But uh, Professor, let's start by diving in to uh, the Fall Founders Cup in 2024. What do you know about Mike Strantz? Well, one is he he influenced a dear friend of ours, Rob Collins. Um, And that alone gives me blind trust in any golf course you're going to take me to that's a Mike Strands course. If he influenced Rob Collins, I'm like, all right, yep, I don't even need to hear anything else about it. I'm going to go play it. Um, I mean, eclectic, so on and so forth. You know, I was trying to think of a way, like I'm always, you know, being an academic, trying to position people in their field relative to like, how would you classify them? And... To me, he's always been the one we didn't get enough of. We lost him too soon, right? Like a true, unique visionary where, you know, how many people could you say about that in the field? Even the top people in the field, 
you know, their visionary might be in a, a nuanced way. His was not nuanced at all. Like he is truly a splashy visionary, right? Like think of the artists that stand the stand out, the Van Goghs of the world, where like, yeah, plenty of other contemporaries were, you know, arguably just as good as Van Gogh, but Van Gogh stood out. He was different in what he did. And and I think Strands fits that bill where like it's not nuanced difference. It's like in your face, this is different than anything I've ever seen before. Uh, you know, that's, that's what I immediately think about him relative to him and his courses. And, and we lost him too soon because we need, we need more of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it, uh, I did some reading on, on Mike and, and many of our members, um, have talked about tobacco road, uh, a course that we played in our, geez, what was that? 2022 founders cover 2023, maybe, um, down in, uh, that was 2022, down in Mid Pines. And we added a whole day at Tobacco Road, 36 holes there. And man, I, I don't think outside of Sweetens, I don't think I hear about a single course in terms of the the new club ecosystem. Maybe Landman has, has been that now that we visited there in Summer Metal. But it really uh, st- struck people. And it, and it elicits a response. Like people either love or hate Tobacco Road, but the conversation's awesome after you play it. It really is like people are lit up, and uh, I, I I internalized that. We talked about it with our captains, and we started talking about all these destinations that we could go. And some themes started to emerge of like, well, if you go here, you can play some Ross. If you go here, you can play some Mackenzie. If you go here, you play, and that was cool. And and so we leaned into the architecture side of it, and so we said, all right, well, you know, Mike Strantz doesn't get a whole lot of t- attention in terms of the big you know echelon, but to your point, Kevin, he's that visionary, he's that artist let's go play a bunch of his courses. And so South Carolina has a good amount of them. So that's how it kind of came to be uh, for those that want to know. But just list it off. That's how I just wanted to, to introduce Mike Strands more broadly to everybody listening. Like Bulls Bay, that's one in South Carolina. Caledonia, that's another. Those are kind of t- two of his top two. Uh, Monterey Peninsula was his last before we lost him to cancer. Uh, Monterey Peninsula, uh, the shore course out in Del Monte Forest, California out by Pebble and all the all the rest. It kind of stands by itself in, in a lot of ways. Uh, Royal New Kent in Providence, Virginia. Tobacco Road, which I mentioned. Tot Hill Farm, one of my personal favorites. Asheboro, North Carolina. Uh, True Blue in South Carolina. And those are kind of like his most notable. I think there's a few others I'm probably missing, like Stonehouse, which I believe is Virginia. Um, and uh, what was the other one? Silver Creek Valley. Uh, but the, the, it's, it's a small list, you know, he didn't build that much, but I think the, the thing that, uh, stands out and it's in the name of his design firm is he was a maverick. Mm, He did things his own way. They, he, he named his firm maverick golf design. Um, so backing up a little bit on Mike Strance and the guy, I, I've been debating, uh, Kevin, who we're going to have to to prep us for our Founders Cup down there. You know, maybe some local people for the co- the courses that we play, or maybe it's somebody that just really knew Strance and spent time with them. I think that would be maybe my preference. We'll see. But um, but they, uh, he, he's from Toledo, Ohio. He went to Miami of Ohio. He was um, studying. I think it was it was art, something in the art world, and he kind of realized halfway through that man. I don't want to be a starving artist and maybe that was some parent influence, but like I, he was a true artist at heart. That's what mm. he went to school to study. He then went to Michigan state, shout out co-founder of new club, uh, Mark Caldwell, fellow Sparty, but he then went to Michigan state and got a turf science degree. So he was going to be a superintendent. 
And so he started working for Inverness Golf Club. That the timing, and this is what brought him into uh, Inverness Golf Club, for those who don't know, hosted a U.S. Open. It's it's uh, one of the best Rosses in the country. But a guy named Tom Fazio came in to redesign it. And, and this is kind of interesting how... It's just interesting, but uh, the young young Mike Strance is working at Inverness when Tom Fazio is hired to uh, renovate the golf course for the upcoming U.S. Open. So the U.S. Open was there in what the seventy, uh, it was the seventies, and Tom Fazio just meets this mustachioed kid who was just doing, just jumping in and doing a bunch of different things. I mean, he's on the agronomy team, but he wanted to learn and he wanted to be involved in the dirt and building and why are you doing this? And what about this sight line? And doing, he's just bugging them. And Tom Fazio has the most remarkable quotes about this. Maybe he's the guy to have on, but he hired literally two days after the US Open was there, he hired Mike Strance. So they they let him work through because he was on that crew for that. He hired Mike Strance to work for him. Mike Strance has been in the dirt on literally all, like not all, Tom Fazio has built, he's prolific. He's built so many golf courses, but his hands were on most of the best Tom Fazio's you can mention. Wade Hampton, Mm. uh, uh, some others that aren't coming to mind right now, but Mike Mike was there. He was in the dirt with Tom Fazio. So that's where he got his start. Um, He was living a nomadic life. I thought this was a cool element and and shout out Jay Ravel. All this information I get is, is from our friend Jay Ravel. Uh, who him he himself has hosted his own podcast. He's uh, a great writer. Um, we've had him on this show a few times. But Jay just decided to, hey, you know what? I'm diving deep on Mike Strands. I got to find out who this guy is. And so, so maybe we have Jay on because he's done most of the research here. But uh, Mike was a family man, and this life, this nomadic life, he decided wasn't for him. And so he left. Uh, he left Fazio for. Um, to, to start his own thing. He started doing some consulting where he could work from his desk. Uh, he did all of his sketch work and, and he did it because of family and he wanted to be local. So if you look at why all his mm. courses are in South Carolina that he built, it wasn't because he didn't get job offers, Kevin. He was having job offers all over the country after he built his reputation. It was because he wanted to stay close to family. And, and I think that's interesting. And, and, and just, I wanted to pause for a second on that. Because I don't know what Donald Ross's family life was like, but to build 400 golf courses and visit 280 of them, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think it would have been challenging, right? So just just Mike, to me, the more I read about him, the more I'm like, God, I wish I could have known this guy. I I really do. I mean, just at, even when you look at a picture of him with the mustache, he he had his own horse that he would bring to golf courses. He liked to, the first time he would look at the land and walk it, he would do it on horseback, which is like, talk about what a cowboy, what a maverick. Like that to me is just such a unique character. Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to kind of give an overview of the man from my research. Shout out Jay Ravel, who, who helped me, you know, re- read a bunch of his articles, but just fascinating guy. Yeah, it's one of those... He's a case study probably where, yeah, you'd want to spend time with him, not even necessarily talking about golf, but he seemed truly content and happy with his life, right? Like he had a vision and a mission and he adhered to that with conviction and didn't succumb to like his own success that could have drew, drew him away from what he really loved doing. Uh, so he's, to me, he's one of those you'd want to sit down and just like 
get his advice on how you balance that. Like, okay, you could have gone and been one of the top five architects of the time in terms of notoriety and course building, but you chose not to. And instead, drove with your horse and walked land and built golf courses that other people wouldn't have built too without even having concern for, you know, other people looking in on you. Uh, you know, I would love to pick his brain just on that and how you, how you stay on that path and don't succumb to all the things that society tells us are, are the, uh, the things to chase. And, and like, yeah, and that, those are the unfortunate, like he, he would have been probably so good. We know how good Rob Collins is on a podcast. I bet you Mike Strantz would have been incredible on a podcast and we will never have that chance. So it's like, well, who, who's the next best? So his partner, did you know who his partner was at Maverick Golf Design? I've heard. I didn't know this. I've until. heard a couple of times, and I forget it every time. So I'm, I'm going to have my mind blown again, and I'm pumped to have that blown for like the fifth time or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a, a rebel in himself, and the best name, and one of the best names I think in golf, Forrest. Oh my God, I'm already forgetting his his name. I don't want to say it wrong. Fesler. Yeah, <laughs> Forrest yeah. Fesler was Mike Strands. Does that ring any bells, Forrest Fesler? That does. I've heard that name several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, what, so, what a name, Forrest. Not a name I would necessarily associate with golf. I would associate like a Caddyshack character every time I hear that name, right? I think like that's that's definitely like Judge Smale's like partner or something like that. So so Forrest Fesler's most known for two things. Uh, one was finishing runner-up. So he's a professional golfer. He, he grew up in California, San Jose, won the California Amateur uh, had a re- pretty solid professional career, but um, not. I, I don't know if he had PGA Tour wins, but he's most known for being runner-up at the famous 1974 Open, the massacre at Wingfoot, when they it was a reaction to Johnny Miller's 63 at Oakmont. The USGA set up the course with firm greens and you know ankle high rough or knee high rough, and, and it was just <laughs> awful that that. If you haven't watched the final round on YouTube, go do it because Forrest Fesler is, um, is is featured prominently, and and just like this long flowing blonde hair, opposed to you know military precision, Hale Irwin, uh, and and those two are battling it out. I think Forrest was playing with with um, Tom Watson, but I think he shot under par on the last day and almost won the dang thing. So it's, 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 he's got, he's kind of a legend. That's one. That's one thing he's well known. The other one was his last U.S. Open. He decided to, uh, I guess he was not a fan of the USGA, which not many people that played in the massacre at Wingfoot were at least that week. He did a, a show of civil disobedience and his final, uh, final round. Like he, he had no more eligibility to play in the o- opens, the U.S. Opens. And he was at Oakmont. He's walking up the 18th fairway. Uh, and he, cha- he he heads into the, the porta potty and he comes out wearing, and this was the 80s. So maybe short shorts were still in. But when you look at pictures, he put on the shortest shorts I've ever seen, like up <laughs> mid thigh length. And he just, he just marched up the fairway and just was waving to everybody, waving goodbye. And that was like his sign of, of, you know, maybe his last middle finger to the governing body, I guess. But uh, that was Mike Strant's business partner. That's who he built golf courses with. Like, think about those two revving each other up with ideas and going and getting it. Like, that's why we ended up with Tobacco Road and we ended up with this. Like, it, it always takes, and I think this is a great, 
And I, I just wanted to shout out Forrest Fessler because we're going to talk a lot about Mike Strantz as we get ready for this Founders Cup next year. We can't forget about this guy. And in fact, maybe we try to track him down and get him on the pod. That would be, that would be excellent. Um, yeah, you think of the, you know, you want, did they ever get in fist fights over anything? You just imagine them like wrestling in the dirt, right? Like just completely healthy wrestling, not, you know, like out of animosity or any like resentment, but just like, disagreeing about an idea and just like one of them grabs the other one by the back of the neck and down they go and they're just t- tossing around. Just, a, just you imagine there's stories like that in there with those two. And what a great way of showing civil disobedience, right? Like comparing that to what Phil did at the, at the open at Shinnecock. Um, but no, like put on some shorts. It doesn't harm anybody. You're not disrespecting the game at all. And you're just like, yeah, that, that's how you give the middle finger to an organization if you want to. It's, it's in a respectful, disrespectful way. I love that. And and I don't know if they built every course together, but I know uh, in this, you know, going to our Founders Cup in 2024, uh, October, we don't have an exact date. I'll get to why in a second, but we're definitely the, the linchpins of this, this Founders Cup are going to be Caledonia, which is Mike Strand's second best rated golf course. It's, it's uh, truly a, a, uh, a special place. And then True Blue, which was built as a compliment to Caledonia. Like they built Caledonia first and then Mike and Forrest wanted to build True Blue in a way that would give a little bit more variety than what that is, but even though it has their same design principles and everything. So the two complement each other really well. They're right next to each other. Um, That's going to kind of be the basis of the trip. We might even play uh, a couple of them more than once. Um, But then, and I can't disclose just yet, I'll just say, it's the most highly rated Mike Strantz golf course also in the state of South Carolina. Um, it, it, it depends on the Gamecocks uh, football schedule on what the date of our Founders Cup is. So just teasing out some, some inside new club info here. It, you know, football is a big deal in the South, as the professor out. knows well. Uh, the football schedule also dictates uh, tee times. A lot of people might not think about that, but um, we have to wait on that before we announce our official schedule for the Fall Founders Cup and what, what it takes place. But it's definitely the first two weeks of October. And um, yeah, like I'm just excited for those golf courses. And is it going to blow people away like uh, Tobacco Road does? Probably not. I, I don't think that's the nature of these two, but it's just solid, exciting golf. Um, also, if you're thinking about you know making that trip, we're going to add in some Charleston stops just for fun. You know, we always kind of throw out some tee times outside of the competition. Uh, the Charleston Muni deserves a, a shout and, and, a, and a visit from everybody I talked to. I have not played it. Uh, I heard it's like one of the hardest muties in the country, but a whole lot of fun. Obviously, Rainer. We've talked about Rainer on this show. We're going to talk more about Rainer on this show. It's a tribute to Seth Rainer and uh, Charles Blair McDonald, but a, a whole lot to look forward to. And you know this, Professor. October, Carolinas, coastline. Whew. Like, is it underrated in terms? I mean, it's the best time to play golf there, right? It's probably over, overrated in terms of timing of the year, right? I mean, but people, the thing that, that I dri- drives me nuts about you guys is your best, and I say you guys, you Southerners, as I sit here in sleet outside, that's the best time to play, but no one plays because of football. It's crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, that's, it is a, it's amazing. Um, my golf course, we're, we're slammed as most private clubs are right now. But game day Saturday, you can get tea time about whenever you want. And it's, you got a little iPad with a little streaming on it, throw that on, put it on your golf bag, walk around, and you're going to be the only person in the golf course. It's, 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 quite a, it's quite a spectacle how that works here. 
the uh, anything else to say about those courses or the Founders Cup in general? I mean, we got four minutes left here. We're going to save. I know we teased uh, England. We're going to save England. We got a year, folks. We we're going to let that 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 settle um, for a bit. But there's a lot to look forward to on our our international trip. Um, yeah, that that lineup deserves is May of 2025. Yeah, deserves saving with that lineup. Yeah, it's going to be there for that one. People are going to. Need some gonna time. Be a little and excited. some research. I, I I want to do better research. No, but on the founders. Anything Cup, else with the founders? Cup? I mean, what a great. I don't know, just a great matchup of Strands Golf Courses with the Founders Cup. Right, the the name speaks to itself, and and going to you know someone that's always going to be unique in the golf course architecture landscape. Right, like. I think uniqueness and standing out like Mike Strands does that more so than than just about anybody else. Like obviously I'm a huge Donald Ross fan, but to say his golf course stand out in like a in your face way is certainly not necessarily something people would say. But you know, you go play a strand and it's like, wow, there's there's something different here. That's gonna stick with you for a while. Uh and that's uh I don't know if there's a bigger compliment you can give someone that's built a golf course by other than saying it's going to stick with you for a while. I mean, I think of my round at Tobacco Road um, back from my buddy Trey Moon's bachelor party. And I can still remember every hole that's there. Um, you know, every hole, it's something, something different, something that I looked at. And I was like, wow, I'm just happy to be playing this hole and get to see that. And uh, yeah, that's, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing I'll say that the, the Founders Cup has built its identity uh, over years, right? Of of team competition. It's our only large team. In our chapters, we have turf wars, city versus suburbs. In Atlanta, we have OTP versus ITP. Those are blasts because people represent where they live and, um, and people get into that. But this one, it kind of elevates it because you're you're going somewhere first off and you're staying overnight and you're playing multiple, multiple rounds. And, uh, and you're teaming up with others from like the team room thing and people, there's like, there's a lot of cringy stuff in the golf buddies trip of Ryder cup. And I think what we've done, and I give my, our captains all the credit here is like, we've been safe to keep away from the cringy stuff. And, and it's truly authentic though, in that this tradition now means something, right? It's a celebration. It's our last fixture of the year, which is always a celebration in itself that we can reflect on everything before it. But the, the, the elements of uh, camaraderie, the elements of like civility with your fellow captains, like, I, I don't know, there's just something beautiful in that and acknowledging people from a different part of the, the country too. Right. So it's like, yes, our national members team up with Atlanta right now. That might not always be the case, but like they've, created their own in the in the way that like Europe probably has to <laughs> with people that speak different languages like you know you got people that you're going to have a guy from California that needs to play with a guy from southern Georgia you're going to have a guy from uh, New York City who's going to play with someone from Oregon you know and and I think like it's it's cool in that way that I always look forward to and then and then Chicago and god bless they got that win last year at Big Cedar or this past year it's Big Cedar because <laughs> Chicago would have been all needing sports psychologists for another 12 months if they were going to try, especially the, the folks like Tom McCartney, who just, you know, wanted it so bad. Kyle Smith, who wanted it so bad. Like these are staples in, 
and, and they just couldn't get over the hump, right? It's just, it's a handicap match play. You, you, you think it's pretty close and it was all a mental block. But what them going through those years of not winning it has actually like actually bonded them. And I've had multiple people told, tell me that, that pursuing that cup brings people together and will make you get in bed a little bit earlier make you really want to win your point the next day and, and still enjoy everybody. But the competition of the Founders Cup has come a long way. And it's, it's, it's my favorite of the year. It was, it was my favorite back in 2018 when we did our first, but it's, uh, I just, I just love it. So doing it at those courses in South Carolina with some good weather, it'll be, it'll be a blast. Mm -hmm. Thanks everybody for being with us this week. Uh, the pref professor and I are, are, you know, headed in the holidays. We might be taking a, a week or so off perhaps, but we'll, we'll try to keep everything coming to you each week. And, um, um, everybody enjoy this time of year, uh, whatever your holidays may be. And uh, seriously, thanks for being with us on this podcast. It means a big difference. And for those of you that have like reached out recently of just uh, little things you've heard or those that have joined New Club by listening to the podcast, like uh, just we want you all to know it's it, it means a lot to both the professor and I. Professor, have a great rest of your week, my friend. You too, sir. Thanks.